everything in sports begins with your vision. You know, how quickly you can see something, how quickly you can make a decision, act and react. You know, that, those are crucial to athletic performance. Hi, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronena Inbinder. This show features the stories of talented people working in sports. Are you ready? Let's go. Today, joining us for the Halftime Snacks is an engineer, a sports enthusiast, and a thriving entrepreneur. Snacking with us directly from Pennsylvania is the CEO and co-founder of Reflexion, a technology company looking to create tools to train and monitor athletes' brains. There, they've developed The Edge, a technology that tracks, trains, and strengthens neural responses, resulting in both neurologic and physical performance enhancement. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Campagna. Hey, Ronan. Thanks for having me on the show. Man, I always like to ask a super quick icebreaker at the beginning. So my icebreaker for you is what's your favorite snack to have when you're watching a soccer match? Ooh, favorite snack? Um, I'm probably going to have to go with like chicken and broccoli. Chicken and broccoli? Okay. Yeah, as a snack. <laughs> Protein it. Protein, lean protein, and veggies all man, day. That, I must say that was not the answer I was expecting, but that's a good one, man. I think I'm not going to find someone that likes the same snack as you, but that's, that, that's something that makes you unique. That's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to start also our conversation, our serious conversation, by talking about, you know, you founding Reflexion, kind of like the story. And I, I want to know what does it take to become a founder of such technology company today, And why or why do people not need to pay for education to be able to create such company? Sure. Um, Jason Calcanis, a really famous angel investor, I think said it well. You have to be delusional with skill. And um, I think that's really what it comes down to. You have to have a vision that, uh, you know, if you look at the odds, uh, won't, won't succeed. You know, you probably have a one in, chan one in ten chance of succeeding. But you have to really believe that you're going to execute on your vision and you're going to be um, one of the few who's able to, to win. And um, I think that's really important. You have to believe, believe strongly. You have to motivate an entire team to believe strongly in, in what you're building. Uh, but at the same time, you have to execute every single day. Um, there, you know, there's, no, there's no room for for error. Sure, you can mess up, you can you can fail along the way, you can stumble, um, but you have to continue to execute, always be keeping your eyes on what it takes to get to the next milestone, to, to keep moving towards your goal and continue to execute. Um, it, it really comes down to just working really, really hard and smart. And I guess that I mean, because I remember in our in our first conversation, you you told me the story that you dropped out of school because you started reflection and you realized that it's more practical than theoretical. And probably schools today don't really teach you most of the practical stuff, most of like the the, the things that actually happens in life. And would you say that the value proposition of education in schools needs to change drastically for uh, students in the future? Kind of get 
a better sense of what's happening in real life or do you think that that's just how it is and it's not never going to change do you have any take on that um i th i think it depends you know i think for for many people they probably don't need a four year degree and in here in the us i think that there's a large perception that if you don't go to a four year university um you're a failure and i think that uh secondary schools set you up for that um they basically teach you that if you don't make a you know quarter million dollar debt decision or whatever the case might be and and paying for a higher you know some sort of de degree at a post secondary school that um you're lesser than everyone else i think we all agree that that's that's really not the case but that is the way that it's painted i i think that um you know some people want to build an engine and will go read about it at a university and some people want to build an engine and can pick up a wrench and figure out how to do it and i think that there are multiple ways um to be successful and that universities should focus on providing value to the customer um the customer being the student um and less and, and less on you know publish or perish um where you know i i think that that sometimes incentives for um you know faculty and and staff at, at universities becomes becomes misaligned with the goals of actually educating and producing um you know high functioning students who go on to do great things in their field um so yeah absolutely i think that 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 shift needs to happen if education if the education institutions that exist today want to um survive and and want to continue to produce high quality talent totally totally matt i agree with you and i think we're in in an exciting time because of how technology now is shifting even uh where you can find information now everything you can just learn online in any skill any class any whatever you want to do you can basically just go on youtube find the course and so i think it's just going to it's just going to be very different in a few years when universities kind of catch up and as i agree with you there's not one path to success there's many and learning is very important to kind of develop but there's many ways to learn so that's uh kind of like the idea Absolutely. and i've read a lot about i've read a lot about reflexion and the story kind of like you guys from uh were some friends that uh realized there was uh, a problem in the market uh, kind of related to uh concussions and, and and brain injury so i want you to tell us the story quick you know story of how how you guys started reflexion what's the position in the fitness market and who is the product that you're building for who are you trying to help what's the pain that you're trying to solve absolutely i mean the the basic premise and reflection is a visual cognitive sports training company everything in sports begins with your vision you know how quickly you can see something how quickly you can make a decision act and react you know that those are crucial to athletic performance whether you're a wide receiver in the end zone looking for the ball out of your peripheral or you're a fighter trying to recognize your opponent's tendencies so that you can um react accordingly or you're um a hitter staring down a 100 mile per hour fastball but those are all visual cognitive processes that can be trained and assessed in order to make better athletes and despite the fact that almost every other aspect of performance at this point has been made trackable traceable you know on your wrist or on your smartphone 
visual cognitive hasn't been given that same attention. And what we've done at Reflection is with a series of gamified drills that leverage our state-of-the-art based uh, touchscreen light boards, we've been able to develop the, these uh, modules where athletes can walk up to our, our touchscreens and basically play games that are training those visual cognitive skills, making them better athletes and keeping them safe. Um, so we serve primarily uh, gyms, performance training centers, high schools and universities, basically anywhere that has athletes that are trying to get to the next level or are already elite and are trying to get that those extra few percentage points in order to, to make them um, come out on top. And um, we started the company actually when my co-founder, Matt Rhoda, um, so we're both named Matt, slid headfirst into the boards during an ice hockey game. And he was... Um, he was at breakaway speed, slid headfirst into the boards, was sidelined um, with a concussion, and his coach basically asked him, Matt, where are you? What year is it? And who's president? And that was their idea of taking care of his brain. And from that point, we became critically interested in visual cognitive performance and wellness for athletes and how to keep them safe, but also as performant as possible. And what we realized is if you really want to keep athletes well, you have to help them win because that's what they care about. They're, they're competitors. And um, that was that was really the impetus for, for why we, we started Reflection. And in the fitness market, uh, consumer products that we have out there, you know, there's Peloton, there's Tonal, there's Mirror. I wonder where, in what, how, how is Reflection positioned in terms of how professional or how uh, amateur is the product for 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 what type of athlete athlete and also if it's more towards the you know high-ending paying consumer or is it more uh you guys thinking about something more affordable that's going to be distributed among all the schools in the u.s and then later in the world or every sports center in the world. What are you, what are you guys thinking in terms of positioning yourself in, in the market? Well, Rona, this is basically a technology adoption curve, right? I think especially in sports tech, you'll see that the elite athletes, those who are at the top are always the early adopters of the technology. And eventually you want to be over here on the S curve, right? That's, that's every school, that's every, every, every gym, every mainstream gym, every big box gym. Um, however you want to say that. And previously, visual cognitive training was really just for the elite. And at Reflection, we're, we're at that inflection point where we're starting to serve mainstream gyms. And we've really made visual cognitive training accessible so that anyone, even if they're not an expert in visual cognitive training, can do it. So you don't have to have a neurologist on your staff in order to do it anymore or an optometrist. You can, you can use our software and our hardware in order to become a better athlete through visual cognitive training. We can show you how you stack up against your peers. We can suggest training plans based off of your goals and previous performance. And really our mission is to make visual cognitive training ubiquitous um, so that eventually it is in everybody's hands and every athlete everywhere can use it. Um, but right now what we're doing is, is crossing that chasm from, from the, Uh, sort of early major early majority or or right after the the early adopters to to mass market the high end of the market usually gets the first 
because I just think about like, for example, the iPhone was, you know, owned at the beginning by only, you know, high, high end paying consumers. And then they figured out how to scale it and just put it in everyone's else pocket. So I guess it makes sense for reflection to do that. And would you have like a timeline of knowing more or less when would you be expecting the chasm to be crossed? Or do you have any idea of how you guys want to uh, build up from, from where you are right now? Also, if you want to share where you are right now and what's coming up in probably the next one to three years, what are you guys thinking about? Sure. I mean, our, our goals right now are really to continue to make visual cognitive training more accessible. Um, so right now we have the entire infrastructure for showing you how you stand, um, how you've progressed over time as an athlete, your visual cognitive performance, that is how you stack up against your peers and where we're headed now is using the uh, enormous amount of visual cognitive data that we've collected. Um, we're, we're running more than 10,000 visual cognitive training drills per month right now um, in our athlete user base and taking that data together with demographic data in order to suggest tailored training plans to those athletes, thus saving coaches time um, and giving them uh, a leg up and automating part of the process for them, which ultimately means that um, it's easier and easier for athletes to use the product. And so our goal is to, to make those tailored training plans um, automated and extremely uh, productive in their outcomes over the next, call it one to three years. And I think that's really what's going to allow us um, to reach athletes at, at every level. Um, and so that's, that's kind of our timeline. Although I think that, um, you know, admittedly, you can have a timeline for these sort of things, but really what's important um, from a business perspective is making sure that you are the leader and that you're, um, you're keeping track of, of where the market's at and the, and the desire um, for the product and the demand and you're staging your product roadmap around, uh, around the market and maybe testing things that are a little bit um, too soon for, for the market and, and and taking note of that and just dialing in uh, based off of what customers are saying and, and what, what you're seeing. But it's something that um, to some extent you can, you can catalyze, but you can't necessarily, um, you know, ch change, change the, the natural pace of, uh, of the adoption. Yeah. It's kind of like the timing in the market, knowing if you're on the right, you know, time to, present a specific product with specific needs from the customer to learn and adapt it in himself to, to do it. I guess that, you know, if Spotify would have come out right after the iPhone came out, probably wasn't, it would, it would have not been a good timing because people weren't ready to just to understand how to use these kind of apps and stuff. So I, I, I guess what, what you say is totally right. And now that you mentioned, also kind of like the challenges of timing. I wonder if there's any other kind of challenges that you, you think that you as a sports tech founder, you know, uh, startup founder face and why, uh, let's say for instance, if I want to start, you know, a sports technology startup right now, what would you tell me to double check right before, you know, I, I, I just face myself into a wall and make the same mistake that probably you did. 
Um, I think the I, I have two points, and, and I think that neither of them are necessarily specific to sports tech, although maybe maybe the, this first one is. Um, in in sports, there are a lot of ideal customers um, that have clout. You know, they're they're big brands, and what we found early on is that many of them will want to use your product without paying you. Um, whether that's uh, a promise that may or may not be true that they'll promote the product or that they're just so big that you'll be able to tell people that they're using it and that will be good enough. Uh, but at the end of the day, listen to the people who vote with their wallets. If somebody really wants a product and you're really solving something, they will pay you. Um, and, and sure, if it's a big brand that can be in kind, you know, there are uh, legitimate ways to structure those sorts of deals. Um, but I think it's really important that you pay most attention to where you're getting real traction. And from a business perspective, that's where the revenue is coming from. So who's paying you? Um, because if they're paying you, you are solving a real problem for them. Nobody's going to give you a dollar if you're not providing them value. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, also about customers, is that uh, they will often tell you how your product should be, um, but they'll do it, which might sound great. You're like, well, of course, you'd want to listen to your customers. Um, but many times they'll do it by telling you features, which are not the same as understanding what their problem is. Um, you know, if, if, if you listen to a customer's feature request every single time, they say you'll, you'll have a ton of features that don't really fit together into any, you're, you're solving a specific problem for one customer and a specific problem for another customer, but really what that leads to is a confusing product overall. Um, and what's really important and um, is a practice that we, we try to, to implement um, every day is, is making sure that the people building the product, so this is your engineering team, it is actually speaking to customers and understanding the problems and really peeling back if, if they tell you we want XYZ feature, you know, we want um, a baseball specific uh, training, visual cognitive training set, understanding why do you want that? You know, why can't you use our drills and make a set yourself? You know, is it because you don't, you don't have time, you don't know which drills actually matter specifically for, for the group of athletes that you're trying to train? You know, you, you need to understand the actual motives and then build the solution for those problems rather than just kind of blindly listening to everything that your customers say. That's super interesting, Matt. I guess that it goes along the lines of probably the customer does, does not really have an, a clear idea of what they want. They, they may have an idea of what they wish they had, but that may not potentially solve the, the, the pain as you mentioned. Uh, directly so it's more about understanding the pain i think that's fascinating i think we could speak about that for so many hours so many halftime snacks uh, sadly we don't have the time uh, but i want to ask you now about the business model of, of reflection and how how do you guys make money and if you see it pivoting in the next 10 20 years with all the developments in technology and why and why not sure so i mean our our, our business model for both our b2b that's the edge and B2C products flex um, like most connected fitness products are SaaS plus a box. Um, so you buy either the edge, which is our portable two by six foot touchscreen that 
engages athletes, um, peripheral vision and functional movement. And it's great for, um, elite athletes. It's, it's more premium. It's more engineered, um, or flex our touchscreen TV based product. That's great for in home where you're not trying to take up, um, wall space and, and fit into the environment of, of an athlete's home. Um, so you buy those products and then you subscribe to an annual or monthly subscription. Um, so that provides you access to all of our drills, all of our visual cognitive tracking, our leaderboards, tailored training recommendations, all from that subscription. Um, and so that, that's how our, our business model works, similar to Peloton um, or Tonal or Mirror or any other connected fitness product, as I mentioned. Uh, our target customers are gyms, performance training centers, teams, academic athletic organizations like secondary and post-secondary um, schools that have athletic teams. And, um, you know, the, those are our customers, the trainers, um, the strength coaches uh, at those, those organizations are, are who uh, rave about us. You know, those, those are the people that we serve specifically in those organizations. And then of course the end user athletes that are, are logging into our software, running the visual cognitive training drills and, and viewing their results. Um, but they're, they're sort of an end user where the, the coaching or training staff is our, is our customer. I wonder if, and this could totally be your personal opinion, but would you say that, um, technology such as the one that reflection is developing and hardware and software that, that, uh, comes with it and the things that you are doing, would you say that this technology would eventually replace coaches? No, I don't think that it does. I think that what it does is it makes the coach's job easier. Um, you still need a coach to push the athlete along. And I think that maybe it, it replaces an assistant coach um, in some, in some uh, position far down the road. But people are underrated um, by and large. And, and I think that what we do is we make a coach's job easier by automatically assigning visual cognitive training drills to them. The coach can review the results um, with them, with the analysis that we do and know everything else about that athlete that helps drive decisions that we can't make, right? We don't know how the athlete slept. We don't know if the athlete's having a bad day. I'm sure at some point in the future, we might be able to aggregate some of that data. But the point here is that there's there are always external factors that are sort of soft, right? Um, that you, that the coach can understand, understand the whole athlete and who they are and help take them to the next level. That gives me a lot of uh, food for thought because now that you mentioned also sleep, you know, there's the company whoop, the wearables company whoop that tracks everything related to stress, strain and sleep and recovery. And, You know, one day maybe we'll see a, a, a collaboration between uh, Whoop and Reflection and out of a sudden, man, there's going to be a coach that is not going to be needed because just these machines will be able to provide better insights and better, you know, tailored recommendations to the athlete. And so I guess that it's an interesting time in, in terms of sports technology and we'll see some cool things develop very, very soon. I'm sure that you're all already, you know, experiencing this kind of realization and you're, you, you are on the top of the, of the industry in terms of how things are developing so fast. And I wonder just really quick, 
if you have any insight of where the visual development training space is, is going in the next probably five to 10 years, do you think that it will change drastically or what's your, what's your take about it? It's a good question. I think visual cognitive training is following a very similar trajectory to strength training. And um, if you think back a number of years, if you were say a soccer player, you wouldn't even think about strength training because it would make you slow. You wouldn't be agile. Um, and, and now there's hardly somebody who even calls themselves fit that isn't doing strength training. And I think visual cognitive is following a very similar trajectory and it starts at the top, um, like we, we've talked about earlier, and then it trickles down um, to everybody else until it's ubiquitous. Um, you know, Tony Kanan, um, an Indy 500 uh, champion that, that we train, I think says it really well. He says that your eyes, they're, they're not different than your biceps or your triceps or your legs. You have to train them just like every other muscle. You know, Evan Holyfield, um, uh, son of four-time heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield, who, who we train um, undefeated in his own career so far, um, calls us the future of training. And I really think that for us, it's, it's making visual cognitive training ubiquitous. I think it's following a similar trajectory to strength training. And um, like we did with the Flex, our consumer product this year, we'll continue to develop downstream products that serve more and more of that sports and fitness market. And, and uh, I think there's maybe an analogy here even to uh, Tesla, where you start with, let's say the Roadster, a very premium product um, designed for, for only those who, who can afford it and are really on the cutting edge of um, you know, EV technology. Then you come out with the Model S that's a bit more affordable um, that more people can obtain. And then the Model 3, which is you know, widely available um, for, for many folks. And, you know, I'm sure there will be future models that get more and more affordable there. Um, but what they're doing is they're serving a broader swath of the population with each product. And, um, like I mentioned with flex, our rollout of the consumer product this year and more downstream products, potentially software only, um, other hardware platforms to come, then we'll, we'll be able to follow a similar trajectory in visual cognitive. That sounds super fascinating, Matt. I'm looking forward for it. And, you know, since we're running out of time, I want to ask you a last and quick question. And that is, what's the kindest thing that someone has ever done for you? That's, that is a very, very difficult question. Uh, I, think, I think it's really hard to pick out one. Um, but I would say, especially as an entrepreneur, um, you know, that it's a roller coaster. And, uh, you know, you have really, you have the highest highs and the lowest lows. And I think that having family and friends that are constantly there for you, whether it's uh, grabbing coffee or a wellness check or, or, um, you know, just, just, uh, you know, telling you what, what you mean to them. Um, I think that is uh, probably one of the things that, that, that is one of the things that I'm most grateful for in my life. And I think in aggregate, um, you know, the support of family and friends is uh, the kindest thing. Um, that that others do for me that's awesome matt thank you so much for sharing and i want to thank you so much for coming to the halftime snacks man it says it has been an absolute pleasure to have discussions with you about reflection visual cognitive training and uh everything that you guys are doing in the fitness market i think it's super exciting and i can't wait to see what's coming what's going to come out of you guys in a few years super super looking forward for it And yeah, man, thank you so much for joining us in this halftime snack.
Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week!